Jeremiah chapter 24, and uh, we're going to be looking at two verses tonight, verse number seven, uh, verse number five, six, and seven, three verses tonight, Jeremiah chapter number 24, and we're going to continue our series on discovering your destiny, all right? And we, we started last week with the, the, the next part of this series, and, and we said that if we're going to find our destiny, we, we've got the tools that God has given us. But now we need to kind of use them. And how do we use them? How do we put them in play? We said, number one, last week, we said you got to refuse to trust yourself. And we, we kind of talked about what that meant, what it means to refuse to trust yourself. And we said how important that was for us to understand that truth, refusing to trust ourselves. But now tonight, we want to take the next step in this, and that is to seek and surrender to God's will, to seek and to surrender to God's will. So go to Jeremiah chapter 24, and we look at verse 5, 6, and 7. It says like this, Jeremiah 24, there in your Bibles, verse 5, 6, and 7 says, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. For I will set mine eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them again to this land. And I will build them and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. And I will give them an heart to know me that I am the Lord. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart." Let's pray tonight. Father, as we get started this evening, as we get into this lesson, I pray that first of all, you would fill me with your spirit, that I would be able to uh, teach tonight uh, with the power of your spirit, with the filling of your spirit, control every thought and every word that goes uh, through me tonight. I pray that it would be something that would be a help uh, to the teens tonight. But then, Father, I also pray that uh, each and every person that is receiving, myself included, this truth of your word, I pray that we would be receptive, that our hearts would be ready to receive your word tonight, to receive it, Father, with faith, to receive it with love, and that we would receive it, Father, with a, a heart of obedience tonight. Help us to uh, understand it and help us to live it out uh, in, in our practical everyday life. I pray that this would be something uh, that would be for us specifically tonight. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. All right, talking about seeking and surrendering to God's will. This is something that's so important for us to understand, especially at our age as teenagers, to think about how do I do this? How do I seek and surrender to God's will? Now, I want to first of all start off by speaking tonight on, there in your notes, why do some people resist God's will? Because we live in a world where there's many around us that want to resist God's will. Why do people resist God's will? Because we've learned that God's will is something that's amazing, something that's exciting, something that's perfect for why we are created. God's will is all about reaching our purpose, reaching the design for which we were created. Now, if all of that is true, we have to ask ourselves, then why do some people not want to do God's will? If you find the greatest fulfillment, the greatest satisfaction, the greatest joy by doing God's will and living God's will, why is it that some people don't want to 
do God's will? Why is it that some people resist God's will? Now, we're going to answer that, but I want you to think about this, because it's probably happened to you, it, it happened to me when I was at your age, you hear the, the, those two words, God's will, a lot. If you've come to this church any length of time, you've probably heard that over and over. And if you've been coming to listen to this series, which most of you have, if not all of you, we've been talking about God's will. But what exactly is God's will? How do you know God's will for your life? You've heard that phrase a lot, but you probably have questions. Questions like, well, what is God's will? Um, how do I know it? Uh, why is it here? And how do I know that I found it? What will it be like? What if I don't like God's will? You have all of these questions, and, and you may be thinking, how is it that I can understand, know, and be sure of God's will in my life? Now, all of these questions make it seem like God's will is something very complex, right? Some people are like, oh, am I going to miss God's will, or, or how do I know I'm living God's will today? They seem like really good and and deep questions. But to be honest with you, sometimes these questions begin to cloud our mind as to how simple it is to understand what God's will for our life is. It's really something that is much more simple than we kind of make it out to be many times. So why is it? Why is it that we resist God's will? Or some people do. Even it could be ourselves many times. Well, one of the reasons why many resist God's will is because they believe it is vague. It seems like it's something intangible, something that we can't understand. It's almost like if you're, if you're taking an advanced math class and, and sometimes uh, there are days, maybe Monday mornings usually, when you're, you're taking that class and you kind of zone out, Right? And then suddenly you, 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 you kind of zone back in, and by that time the teacher's like halfway through the class, the, the concept is something like you're going, dang it, I was, I was daydreaming, what is she talking about, or what is he talking about, and, and you're kind of lost, and, and, and suddenly they're halfway through this algebra problem, and you're going, okay, wait, uh, okay, uh, negative times negative, okay, and then I got I to gotta do the parentheses first, and and you've got all of this, and it's kind of just vague to you. You know come somewhat the rules, but you don't remember them exactly. You're trying to remember, what are the steps i got to do to solve this equation? And it's just vague. And sometimes in our Christian life, the reason that we get so kind of sometimes scared of God's will, and so many times the reason we resist God's will in our life is because we think it's too vague. There's no way I can ever understand it. It's, it's something that's kind of out there. But you know, the fact of the matter is, the reason we get to that point, the reason we think it's so vague, can I say that that's a mask for a self-centered rebellion? In other words, it's so complicated that I'm not even going to try to figure it out. I'll just live for myself. I'll just do what I want because, you know, it's really simple to know what I want. To know what God wants, that's way too complicated. To, what I, to know what I want, that's easy to understand. And so we have this concept, uh, God's will is just too vague to understand, and, and that's why I can't follow God's will. Can I tell you tonight, God's will is not something that's vague. It's not something that is outside of your understanding that you cannot really comprehend. God's will is not like that. But sometimes we resist it because we think it's vague. 
Sometimes we resist it because it seems to be a threat to your dreams. It seems to be something that you feel like if I surrender to God's will, maybe what I want to do or what I was dreaming about doing won't happen. Maybe many of you are like me when I was a teenager and we think, if I surrender to God's will, he's going to send me to Africa. I know it. I don't want to go to Africa. Or I don't want to go all the way to Asia. Or I don't want to go all the way to South America. I mean, that's just too far. It's not within my plans. Uh, If I surrender God's will, maybe he'll call me to be a missionary. Maybe he'll call me to be a pastor. Maybe he'll... I I don't want to do that. Because I just feel that I, I, I need to be a teacher, or I feel like I want to be a lawyer. I want to be something else. And if I surrender to God's will, he's going to take me away from that. But you know, God's will will never take you away from what you're meant to do. Can I say that there are many people today that are living God's will that are not missionaries and pastors? You know, you could be a lawyer or a doctor and still be living in God's perfect will. Living in God's will this evening, young people, doesn't mean I have to be in full-time ministry somewhere doing something like that. That's not what it means. Living God's will is doing exactly what God designed you to do. Living out the purpose that God created you with. But sometimes we resist it. We resist it, why? Because we say, it's too vague, I can't understand it. We resist it sometimes because it's a threat to what we think we want to do. And sometimes we resist it because we think it's a very frustrating quest. And this happens sometimes as teenagers. We, we, we really want to do what God wants. We want to have a, a spiritual life. We want to have a spiritual walk. And we look at God's will as something we got to figure out. Like an Easter egg hunt. You know, what are the clues? How am I going to know? Sometimes it becomes a big fear in our life. Like, I don't want to make a wrong decision. What if I make a, a, a decision so bad that I'm going to wake up, I'm going to be 25, and I'm going to be out of God's will? I don't want to wake up one day at 25 having that happen to me. And because of that, because we, we want to do what's right, but yet we're so scared about making the mistake, we, we say, I, I don't know that I can live God's will for my life because, you know, it's, it's just something that it's never ending feel like I'm never going to get there. It's an unending quest. Sometimes we resist God's will because we don't understand how good God's plans are. Sometimes it comes really just to that. Not so much because it's an unending quest, not so much because it's a threat to us, not really because it's too vague. Sometimes it comes down to something as simple as we just don't understand how good God's plans are. I kind of think about the prophet Jonah. This is a man of God that was a pastor full-time. He was a prophet, served God with his life. And there came a time in Jonah's life where God said, Jonah, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh, and I want you to preach the word of God that they need to repent. And Jonah goes, "Uh, I've heard of that city. Uh, God, I don't know if you know this, but they've killed people that gave that message before. God, I don't know if you know this, they hate people like me, my race, the Jewish people. They were very mean and a cruel people. God, I don't know that you really want me to go that way. And in fact, 
Jonah was so convinced in himself that he was going to go against what God's will was that he ran the opposite direction. And if you know the story, God got a hold of him. He had to spend three days in the belly of a fish, the Bible says, in the sea, before he woke up and realized, you know, going against God's will isn't as great as I thought it was going to be. And finally, Jonah himself repents, goes to Nineveh, preaches this uh, message of repentance, and the Bible says the whole city repented. That is awesome. I mean, can you imagine, can, can you imagine some of you that, that maybe go to, to, to Edinburgh School District? If tomorrow you could just kind of share your testimony and then the whole school shows up here next Wednesday? Wouldn't that be crazy? Or at least the whole school says, you know what? We want to pray on Friday. Hey, we want to start with somebody reading the Bible because I heard this young lady uh, sharing her testimony. I heard this young man talking about how we need to turn back to God and we started turning back to God. Wouldn't that be awesome? It would be awesome. Those were the plans that God had for Jonah, but Jonah said, I don't want any of that. You know, when you think about God's plans, you've got to understand tonight, and i got to understand, that they're much better than our plans. And they're good plans. <laughs> they're great. But so many times, we don't want to fulfill God's will. We resist God's will because we say, ah, it's too vague. Oh, if I, if I do that, I don't know where God will send me. It'll take away from what I want to do in life, my dreams and goals. Man, if I, if I follow God's will, I, I don't know if I'll ever reach it. It's like an unending quest. I got to keep looking and looking and looking and looking and what's God's will, what's God's will? And I, I don't know. I'm going to go crazy if I keep going like that. Or sometimes we resist it just because we don't understand how good it is. But can I tell you tonight, listen, God's will is awesome. It's awesome. And yet people resist it for those reasons. So, what is God's will then? Here's the question that we need to answer. What is God's will? I, I know that we resist it sometimes. We've talked about why we resist it sometimes. Then the question becomes, what is God's will then? What is God's will? Well, I want you to notice here in Jeremiah chapter 24. Look at verse number 5 once again real quick. It says, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive in Judah. I want you to notice in this passage how God describes his plans to Israel. This is what he's telling them through the prophet Jeremiah. He's, he's giving them this message and he's, and he's talking to them. And I, I want you to notice that he says there, so will I acknowledge them. God is saying, I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to acknowledge your life. I'm going to acknowledge that there's a purpose for why I've created you. And I'm going to acknowledge you if you acknowledge me. I'm, I'm going to take note of what you're doing. So what is God's will? Quickly, as you think about that, as you think about God saying he will acknowledge you. And then he says, and I will set mine eyes upon them for good. God is saying, first of all, when it comes to my will, something that you and I need to understand, God's will is good. Now, this is important because Israel had not been taken captive yet. When Jeremiah is giving this message, okay, this was still quite a few years before Babylon came in and wiped them out. Babylon was going to come into their country and was going to do some major, major things. One of the things that history tells us is that when they went and conquered 
Israel, uh, they would take all of the young people, okay? And if you were a young man, the Bible said they were going to castrate you. They wanted to make sure that you weren't going to have any kids. And they did that. That's why they're called eunuchs. So all of the young people, probably 18 and younger, maybe, maybe a little bit older, uh, maybe 20 and younger or so, that's what would happen to them. They wanted to not only humiliate you that way, cut off any chance that you had of becoming a father, but then they wanted you to have such a bad memory of your hometown, of your home country, that what they would do for many of them, and if not all of them, they would bring their parents in front of them. And they would literally begin to cut their parents down. In other words, mutilate them, cutting their arms off, and then their legs, and then their head. And they wanted that picture to be in their minds so much that they would not want to return to their land because it only would bring those kind of memories to their, to their, to their life. That's what happened, many believe, to Daniel. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but in Daniel's... Uh, the Bible does tell us that Daniel was a eunuch. The Bible does tell us that uh, he lived during the time of the captivity when Babylon came, and history tells us that's what they would do to their enemies. So God is telling them this before all of that happens. God is saying, listen, I want you to know I have a plan for you. Now, the whole time God is saying, if you just repent, you won't have to have captivity. If you just repent and towards, uh, turn towards me, and if you return to me, you won't have to have those kind of experiences in your life. But see, Israel didn't want to do that. God's will to Israel was something that was probably threatening to them. It was probably something they thought, if we turn to God, we're not going to be able to live the way we want to live and do what we want to do. Kind of the same thoughts that we have when we want to resist God's will in our life. But God says, I want you to know that I've set mine eyes upon you for good. You see, everything that God allows into our lives is good. Why? Because God's will is good. God's will is His plan to bless you. God has a plan to make you happy. We call that plan God's will. He's got a plan that says, this is where you're going to feel fulfilled in your life. You're going to feel like, this is, this is exciting. This is my purpose. God's will is His plan to make you happy, to make you joyful. God's will is His plan to lead you and guide you in life. I love what Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, that will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You know what the psalmist learned in his life? That God's will is good. That God's will is to bless him, to make him happy, that will really create a joyful experience of life. But he also learned that God's plan is to lead and guide you in life. The psalmist learned that in life, if you do God's will, he begins to lead you to where you are to go. God, God never leaves us abandoned, young people. God never leaves you in a kind of like, okay, figure it out. See if you can find out what my will is, and good luck. It's not a game with God. He's not trying to confuse you tonight. Sometimes we look at it like that, but it's not like that at all. God's will for us 
is something that's going to make us joyful and happy, but He's going to do it by leading us, by guiding us. Part of God's will, part of God's plan is Him guiding and leading you. And let me just say this, God's will is His plan to provide for you, to provide for you. God wants to lead you, as He says in Psalm chapter 23, but it's also to provide what you need. You see, wherever God leads you, He'll sustain you. Someone said it this way. They said, don't doubt in the night what God gave you in the light. In other words, sometimes you might be here on a Wednesday and you might hear the lesson and you might say, man, God's really touching my heart. God's really moving me. And you might go home, you might pray before you go to bed or you might read something, uh, a devotional or read a little bit of your Bible and, and you might be really stirred and say, man, I just feel like God's speaking to me. And you might be really surrendered that night. But then three weeks later, you might come back on a Wednesday night and you might not feel that at all. You might be thinking, man, this day today was a terrible day. School's not going very good. The relationships in my life are not going very good. I'm fighting with my friend or, or my best friend or my girlfriend or my boyfriend, and, and, and things are just not going very well. And, and suddenly, you don't really feel this moving of the Holy Ghost in your life. You don't feel the Holy Spirit talking to you at all. You're kind of like, when's Jeremy going to be done? And in those times, let me just tell you, even on the low points of life, just remember what God told you in those high times. God gave Jeremiah this message to the people of Israel. And he says, I want you to remember something. I have plans for you. I will acknowledge you. I've set my eyes upon you to do you good. I want something great for you. And Israel rebelled. And God said, but I want you to remember what I promised you. Even when you're in Babylon and everything is going terribly, and they were captive for 70 years. That means if you were five years old and Babylon came, you weren't going to be free till you were 75 years old. 70 years they were in another country with a foreign language and a foreign culture with people that mistreated them and hated them. For 70 years that happened. And you know what the message was? The message that Jeremiah was giving the people, the message that God wanted them to remember was, hey, remember, even in the worst times, God's plan is good for you. I have what's best for you in mind. Now, how does this happen? How does God reveal his plan? Oh, I'm sorry. There's still a few more in your notes real quick. God's will is his plan to give you true success. And God's will is never painless or problem-free. God's will is never effortless or easy. God will requires you to have obedience in your life, to have faith in your life. It's not something that's just going to happen by accident. It's not effortless. And it's not easy to live out. But it's always best. Then I want you to notice God's will is the only path to full and abundant joy in life. The only path to full and abundant joy in life. Don't seek it anywhere else. You won't find it. God's will brings purpose to every trial in your life. If you're going through a hard time, if your family's going through a hard time, maybe you see mom and dad, they're fighting a lot. 
Maybe there's something going on between your older brothers or sisters or something in your family or extended families going on. In every trial of life, just remember, God's will brings purpose to it. There's a reason God is doing that. I was listening to a, a message earlier today, and um, I don't know if you know the, the life of Corey Ten Boom, uh, but Corey Ten Boom was a, was a lady, a Jewish lady, uh, that was in the concentration camps in World War II. And of course, you know, if you know history in those concentration camps, they tortured the people, uh, the Jewish people. They would burn them alive, and they would just torture them, hanging them, doing all kinds of uh, things to them. And in those prisons, they let whatever happened, happen. One of those prisons, since they were not sanitary prisons, there was a, a really big outbreak of lice. And uh, if you've ever had lice, you know how it basically itches your scalp so badly, and, and it's, it's just terrible to have. Uh, it's not sanitary in any way. And, and yet, uh, in the prison camp where Ter- Corey Ten Boom was, uh, she found herself with all these lice, and she used to pray and complain to God, why is this happening? And, and uh, one day, she relayed this story, and uh, she says that one day she was talking to her sister, and her sister said, you know, Corey, you need to start thanking God even for the difficult times in your life, even for the lice that are here. And she had a lot of difficulty with that, but she decided one day that she would begin to thank God even for the lice, even for the situation of being in a concentration camp, even for what she saw every day of what the German soldiers were doing to so many people around her and to her even. And she began to do that. Well, years later, of course, she was able to be free from that concentration camp. By the way, in that concentration camp, they killed her father and they killed her sister. They killed her mom. She was the only one to survive and her family. And years later, as she was writing about her experiences, she found out. She found out that the soldiers never abused her like they were abusing other girls in that concentration camp. And the reason that they didn't abuse her, she found out, was because she was covered in lice. And because she was covered in lice, the soldiers didn't want to get near her and they didn't want to do anything like that to her. And she said, I remembered and I learned in that time that what I hated so much while I was there, what I thought was the worst thing happening to me was actually the best thing happening to me because God was protecting me from other horrors, from other things that could have hurt me and from other uh, terrible things that would have scarred me for life. In those times, she said, I, I, I remembered how God's protection was there for me. You see, God's will brings purpose to every trial in your life. Then I want you to notice, lastly here, God's will brings provision to every need in your life. Whatever needs you may have, God's will uh, will always bring the provision that you need. And then lastly here, God's will is the only path to a life with no regrets. God's will is the only path to a life with no regrets. Can I say I'm so thankful for the people in our church that followed God's will. I'm so thankful for the young couples in our church that came through our youth group that today are living God's will. I'm so thankful for them because I can talk with them and they talk with me. And let me just tell you, they'll share with me many times. I'm so glad I did this when I was a teen. 
I'm so glad that we did this at church as teenagers. They don't have regrets. They're not looking at it and going, man, I wish I wouldn't have dated that boy. Man, I wish I wouldn't have dated that girl. There are other teens that have come through our youth group that have made those decisions, and today they regret them. But oh, when you live God's will, young people, you don't, you don't have those kind of regrets. You don't have those bad memories. You don't, have, you don't have to tell yourself, man, I can't believe, why did I do that? Why did I choose that? You don't. God's will is the path to no regret. I hope you'll look over some of these notes later tonight and think about, man, God's will in my life, am I ready for it? Do I want it or am I resisting it? Is it something that you're actively trying to get away from? Are you saying, ah, it's just too vague? Are you saying, oh, it's going to mess with my dreams? Are you saying something like, I just, I don't know if I can trust God with it? Can I encourage you tonight? God's will is awesome. It's awesome. It's a life of no regrets. It's a life of joy. It's a life that has purpose even in the dark times, even in the times of trial. Let me tell you, choose God's will tonight.